have the waves of God's love reached out to you this morning, engulfing your life. They will change your life. Bring greetings to you this morning in the name of Jesus. The one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Those words were spoken in answer to Thomas's question in John 14. When Jesus was telling him, he said, let not your heart be troubled. And Thomas said, Lord, how do we know the way? How do we know the way? And Jesus answered that way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This morning I like to think about the way. Jesus is not one way, as many of, as many people would proclaim today. But Jesus is the way, the only way. Do I know the way? Does, do you know the way this morning? I found it interesting that in the early church, Christians many times were called followers of the way. And uh, I think it's very appropriate that we would be identified that way. Followers of the way. <clears throat> my title of my meditation is Marks of walking in the way, as I thought of our service this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Epistle of John, First John chapter uh, 2, I want to read the entire chapter, First John chapter 2. <clears throat> I have six characteristics from this chapter, six marks of walking in the way. John 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the perpetuation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye had from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. 
I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they that went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. But we have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is a promise that he has promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, and not be ashamed because of him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of God. A lot of truth in that chapter that the epistle John wrote here. The first point that I want you to think about is I think of marks of those that walk in the way as us as followers of the way is the first one in verse 1. It says, my little children. And I don't know if you caught that, that caught your attention as we read through that chapter. How many times the Epistle John, very likely an aged man as he wrote this uh, passage of Scripture, and he referred to each one of us here, I believe, are as little children in the eyes of God this morning, regardless of, of our physical age. We are learners at the feet of Jesus. As I think of walking in the way, I think there's a characteristic that we need to maintain from the beginning to the end, and that is to have that childlike attitude. number of things that I see as I think of a childlike attitude, that is the idea of being teachable. We need to be teachable. We're ever learning about Christ. We're ever learning about God. We're ever learning about our salvation and what it costs uh, the other thing I think as I think about a child is inquisitive desire. You know, there's, there's that inquisitive desire. Those of you have, who have had little children, I don't know if you remember back when you were a little child, I think I can remember that. You know, it was always that question of why, 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 why. And as parents, we get it, we get it applied back to us again. Our children come to us and they want to know why, why, why. Well, it's alright to ask why, I believe, in, in relation to our understanding of God. Uh, we need to still have trust in him, even if we do not, if God chooses not to give us an answer to our why. Uh, and again, that's another characteristic of, uh, of childlike uh, 
attitude, that of trust in, in our Heavenly Father, and also our dependence upon Him. As I thought about the, uh, the childlike expressions and the childlike uh, attitudes, I thought of the experience with Jesus in His earthly ministry here in Mark chapter 10, <clears throat> where the, uh, the multitudes brought the children to Him. And I want to just read that in Mark chapter 10, because I think it's, uh, it sends a powerful message of how important children are in the eyes of God. Mark chapter 10, begin reading at verse 13. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought him, brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Of such is the kingdom of God. Jesus here was teaching a foundational principle to his, to the multitudes, to his disciples, that there is something here that we need to catch. There's a truth here that we need to understand. And I think it's those things that the Epistle John is bringing out again, that we need to maintain those childlike attitudes in our walk with the Lord. Teachableness, inquisitive desire, dependence upon Him, trust in Him as, as little children. Continuing on, verse 15, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. We need that little child expression in our lives. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Very rich, empowering uh, experience there, I believe, for the disciples. And I I, I can just almost imagine, you know, as adults we get so bogged down with the formalities and the, the, the... the business things of life that sometimes we lose touch with the the basics and this is one of the things I think the epistle is bringing out that we need to maintain something that is very low level very yet so very uh, foundational in our walk with the Lord and that is that I maintain regardless of how mature I am how old I am I need to maintain those some of those childlike attitudes as I continue to walk with the Lord so that's number one point Walking with the Lord as a child. My little children, these things write unto you. The second thing is, we notice that uh, there's an aversion for sin. And that has to do with our attitude towards sin. Uh, notice in verse 1 it says, I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And, verse 2, he is a perpetuation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of of the whole world, not only for my sins. How many sins is that? I don't know, but it's, I know Dennis mentioned, I believe in the Sunday school lesson, that whatever God does is adequate. And here we have that pictured again. God's provisions for sin are more than adequate. Without reservation, the epistle here tells us that Jesus Christ can provide forgiveness for the sins of the whole world. As you and I are walking in the way, we are faced with choices in a daily, in our daily lives of right or wrong, good or evil. We are not exempt from those temptations and the potential to sin, even though we are walking in the way. We are still have to make those choices as we continue to walk in the way. Now that is the safest place to walk in the way, with Christ by your side, your hand in His as you walk. But you know, notice the way the epistle says, he says, if any, if, I don't want to capitalize that, if any man sin, we do have uh, a way to to uh, have that dealt with. 
What is the biblical definition of sin? We could turn to James chapter 4, and it talks about uh, according to knowledge. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's James chapter 4, verse 17. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, I'm right close to that. I'll just read that. Whoso committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. This is not me telling you that. That's the word of God speaking. 1 John 5, 17. I'm close to that one. I'll just page back. John 5, 17 tells us, this is a biblical definition of sin. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. All unrighteousness is sin. John 14, verses 16 and 17, turning back to that, I wanted to read those verses. It talks about, uh, as we think of the, the, uh, the potential to sin, uh, as we think of the, uh, the risk of sin, sinning, if we can call it that. John 14, verses 16 and 17 are, are words that are reassuring to me. And I, I, I give them to you as, as followers of the way and walkers in the way with me. Notice in John 14, verses 16 and 17, he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That comforter is capitalized. It's talking about the Holy Spirit living within us. That Holy Spirit is going to be our guide as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. And again, that Spirit is capitalized. So that's talking about the Holy Spirit, I believe. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. We have the Spirit of God living within us as we walk the way, as we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us that comforter to maintain our equilibrium, our balance, so that we fall, so that we fall not. So we are not succumbed to the pressures of temptation and uh, the effects of sin in the world around us. Even though we are in the way, we are not exempt from temptation. But again, I want to draw your attention to the fact that he says, if any man sin, we have an advocate. So I think of the word advocate, um, very basic. It's a court term that, uh, uh, it's a court term and expression that he's our advocate in the courts of heaven, pleading our cause as we are followers and, and, and walkers in the way of God. So he's there representing our case before God. Jesus is our advocate. He speaks in our behalf in heaven's court as we at times may fail and fall. The idea of perpetuation, I believe, you know, God in his holiness and his righteousness, sin has to be dealt with. The price of sin or the cost of sin is death. Christ paid that price on Calvary by his sinless perfection. Um, and Jesus meets the uh, penalty of that Sin by giving his sinless life as a sacrifice on Calvary. And that's somewhat in a nutshell what perpetuation has to do. He paid the penalty. He paid the fine as, we, as we're facing the consequences of sin in heaven's court. He comes and with his sinless sacrifice, giving his sinless sacrifice, his life as a sinless sacrifice on the cross, we have confessed him, received his work on Calvary in faith. We can then lay claim to that Perpetuation, or that it's like giving a voucher, you might say. If you know what a voucher is, it's, it's been paid. And uh, so Christ is our perpetuation. And uh, again, it's in faith that we receive that 
that work on Calvary. I didn't see Christ hanging on the cross, literally. I by faith believed that. I didn't observe His life as He walked among men. In sinless perfection, He lived life among difficult people. Some very difficult people. And yet always responded in a positive way. And then to think that the epistle says, you know, it's not just one or two or three or four or five or six, but he says the sins of the whole world. That's overwhelming. That comes back to the song we were singing. As says, think of God's love reaching out as an ocean. If we will only allow ourselves to be immersed with that God's love washing in our lives and we experience the cleansing that can take place. So the second point, an aversion for sin. Do I have an aversion for sin? Is it something that I will avoid at all cost? Not because I know I have that voucher there, but because I know of the price that was paid on Calvary by my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Third point that I, I see here as a characteristic of those that are followers or walkers in the way is that verses 4 and 5, we will keep His commandment, His commandments, His word. What are the commandments of the Lord? Notice verses uh, 7. Uh, verses 4, it says, um, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 5, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected in him. Perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. So as we love God's Word, um, Jason was talking about our our passion for God's Word and, and reading it and allowing it to dictate how we conduct our lives. Um, and, and I think that's what the Scriptures talk about here. Keeping His commandments. Do I understand what God's commandments are? I thought it was interesting in verse 7. He says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment, what does it say it is? It says it's the word which ye have heard from the beginning. That's the old commandment. It's the word of God. He's not sharing anything new. As I think about what the word of God is and what his commandments are, I thought of Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. This is the incident where Jesus was, uh, they were somewhat trying to trap Jesus. Verse 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together, okay? So they said, okay, this is enough. We've got to, he had put the Sadducees to silence. The Pharisees said, okay, it's our turn. Then verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, unto it Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So is that what the epistle John was talking about? Well, I think it is. He was talking about... Uh, what Jesus was explaining to him there, I think Jesus is, is answering that lawyer correctly. And uh, to love God, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's a good summary. Um, 
going back to the epistle of John there in first in verse eight. I don't know if you caught that or not. You know, he says in verse seven, I write no new commandment unto you. But then in verse eight, he says again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. So the new commandment we have here is, is the demonstration of Jesus Christ in the flesh, giving his life as a sacrifice on Calvary. That was the new commandment. The darkness from sin is overcome by the light of Christ. And uh, we can rejoice in that this morning, that we have, we have the, the power of Jesus Christ in our lives through the Holy Spirit to rise above that darkness of sin. And uh, so it was a demonstration of that old commandment. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And uh, so that's the new, it was a demonstration of that old commandment. But it was new in the fact that it was being given through his son, Jesus Christ. Again, how important, how important are the commandments of the Lord? How important is his word to me? And I think that comes back to our Sunday school lesson. As we think of fruitful lives, bearing fruit so that others can be blessed through our lives as we follow the Lord. The fourth characteristic, as we think of those that are walking in the way, we will walk as Christ walked. Looking at verse 6, I don't know if you noticed that or not. It says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Am I walking as Christ? You know, I, as I read that verse, I, I thought of... <laughs> my mind went back, I don't know how many years it is that our elderly neighbor man is gone. Uh, Brother Lloyd... He was a professing Christian, but you know, I could see him across the road there and he'd be walking and he had a, he had a unique, peculiar gait that identified him. If I couldn't see him clearly, I could tell by his gait, the gait of his walk, who it was. Uh, as I thought about that, I thought, do I have a Christ-like gait to my walk as I'm walking in the way? Does my gait identify me as a child of God? As I thought about that, I, I thought of Matthew chapter 5, where we have the Beatic attitudes recorded. You know, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say, All manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So there we have things that I think are identifying gates of the Christian. Uh, those principles, those beatitudes. And uh, the idea of beatitudes are more than just simply a, a happy expression. I think it talks about happiness is merely an emotion and just dependent on the outward results. It's a joyous experience to walk with the Lord and to, uh, it's more of an inner joy that, uh, regardless of what is taking place around me, 
I can still experience some of the things that are, are described here in the Beatitudes, that of being uh, persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, verses 13 and 16 then continue on as uh, describing the child of God as being salt and light. Uh, salt is, someone described it as a condition that you and I, as we walk through the pathway of life, as we follow in the way, we ought to be making, having an impact. Uh, light is a mission. We ought to be shining that beacon into the darkness. These two elements, I believe, as we think of salt and light, will have an impact on how I walk in the way of Christ. I'll not take the time to read the rest of the chapter, but it's rather interesting as you look at the rest of the chapter. Jesus expounds further on some kingdom principles there. In verses 21, 27, 33, 38, and 43, he says, Ye have heard. And then he comes back and he says, But I say unto you, something different. Uh, we have heard it, but he says something different. But I say unto you. Those are identifying gates in our walk with the Lord. Ye have heard. We have heard it. But I say unto you. And he then comes back with something that, an added dimension because of his work on Calvary, I believe. So we think of our walk with the Lord and uh, and we walking as Christ. There's one key verse here in this chapter that I think we need to pay attention to, and that's in verse 20. He said, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. I think that's a key verse in this chapter. As you think of the what Jesus is saying there, he says that except our righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, we're, we're missing the mark. And uh, what was the scribes and Pharisees' righteousness like? What was the self-righteousness, I believe? And the difference is, in my own words, is doing and being. Doing and being. You stop and think about that. The difference is in doing and being. You know, we can do things without our heart being in it. But when I'm I'm being that, it means my heart is in it. It's it's my life. It will identify me. It's my passion. You know, when we're being, it takes us to a different level of involvement, I believe, as we think of our walk with the Lord. I picked a book off my bookshelf. I'm not sure even where I, I got it from. Probably a garage sale. But the uh, the title caught my attention. And uh, as I was thinking about walking in the way, the title of this book is Anyway. And uh, the Paradoxical Commandments, Finding Personal Meaning in a Crazy World. And as I, I share these simply because I think they embrace what the Scripture teaches. A man by the name of uh, Kent Keith has written it. I give you these ten commandments. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. He says, love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Strive to succeed anyway. The good that you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you rumable, but be honest and frank anyway. 
The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. But think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only the top dogs. But fight for a few of the underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight, but build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you do help them. But help people anyway. Give the world the best you have, and you'll likely get kicked in the teeth. But still, give the world the best you have. I'm talking about walking like Christ. Does our walk identify us with Christ? Another story, just back further in the book, he says, there was a man, a story by the name of Gene Gino. He planted hope and grew happiness. The man in the story was a Frenchman who lived in southeast France in the early 20th centuries. He lived alone in a barren area that had once been a forest with its own villages. His life was simple. He went out each day and planted trees. Year after year, decade after decade, seed by seed, he just kept planting. The trees began to grow into a forest which held water in the soil so that other plants could grow. Birds could make nests and streams could flow and families could return and build their homes again. By the end of his lifetime, he had totally transformed and restored the natural environment of an entire region. This is a good metaphor for a meaningful life. Work each day to plant hope and grow happiness for others. It's an especially good metaphor for the work of parents and guardians and foster parents, helping their children day by day. The work may be simple and modest, yet it's powerful and long-lasting in its impact. In the final analysis, and this is what I find, this is what I really like. In the final analysis, who really has the most impact? Local, national, international leaders have impact, but most of them have a small impact on many people rather than a big impact on a few people. U.S. parents, relatives, friends can have a big impact on a few people, especially children. As parents this morning, I want to encourage you to continue to have an impact on your families as you raise them for the Lord. It may seem mundane. It may seem sometimes fruitless. But it's a powerful impact that you can continue to have as you serve the Lord and as you live your lives for Him. Fifthly, another mark as we walk in the way. It's marked by doing our Father's will. Notice that in the epistle of John, verse uh, 17. John 2, verse 17 again back there. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world or realm of sin we are not to love, it will pass away. And it will keep us from doing the will of the Father. I was back in the Sermon on the Mount, just going just a bit further in in Matthew chapter 6, breaking in at verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? 
No man can serve two masters, for that either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cupid unto his statue? And why take ye thought for the raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto thee is the evil thereof. Our walk with the Lord is marked with doing the Father's will. Verse 22 picks out the idea of singleness, of affection, for Christ. Our our inability to serve two masters in verse 24. We cannot. We can try it. It will not work. Verses 27 through 34 talk about there's no time for worry as we walk in the way. We need trust in the Lord. I mentioned that in earlier in relation to our childlike attitude. Verse 33 talks about setting priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. We walk in the way one day at a time. One day at a time. That's the way God allocates it to us. One day at a time. And I think that's what the um, gospel writer here is telling us. That we need to trust the Lord. We need to walk it. We need to take it just one day at a time. Doing, walking in the way by doing the Father's will. Sixth, we need to continue walking in the way till He appears. Notice that in verse 28 as we continue Walking in the way of the Lord, it says, and now little children, and again he addresses us as little children. You know, the older we get, sometimes we think we're closer to the end of life, but there's some young people that are ushered into eternity as well. And now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I don't know when the Lord is returning to receive his church, to receive us as one. But uh, there's a number of things that I notice here. First of all, as we continue walking the way until he appears. Verse 24 tells us we need to abide in him. We need to have a relationship before that time. We need to abide in him, and he will abide in us. Verse 27 talks about abideth. Verse 28 talks about abiding again. The NIV talks about continuing to live in Christ as we walk. We need to continue our awareness of Christ as we walk the way until he appears. So that we we may with confidence and eagerness reach out. I don't know when the Lord is going to meet me on my way. I don't know when the Lord is going to meet you on your way. It may be collectively, it may be individually. But we want to be prepared for the Lord in confidence and uh, rejoice in that event. That's, That's the end of the way. And we can move into glory and be with Him forever in eternity. So as we think of walking in the way, I'd like to review those six points. Walk as children, 
Secondly, have an aversion for sin. Thirdly, keep his commandments and his word. Fourth, walk as Christ. Have that spiritual gate that gives you an identifying child of his. Fifthly, we need to walk in the way, as we walk in the way, do the will of the Father. God is redeeming you for a mission, for a purpose. And then sixth, continue to walk in the way in faithfulness. You need to make a beginning as we're thinking here this morning at our service. I'd like to welcome Laverne, Mike, Levita, and Alexis into the way, even though they have probably made commitments before. But as I think of following and walking the way, I welcome them to walk with us as fellow prairie pilgrims here this morning. May the Lord be praised.